Everything I've read about revival in the past, whether it was as recent as the the 70s and the Jesus movement, or going back further to the Great Welsh Revival, or even back further to the Second Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening in America, and seeing how God has acted and moved in history. And my heart just began to just reach out and say, oh God, I want you to move in my history. I want you to move in my time, in my place, in my way, and I'm glad and I rejoice in what's happening in Nigeria and different parts of the world, but God, we need a fresh moving of your spirit. We need to move away from this idea of just going to church and being a good Christian. We need to be that dynamic, spirit-filled people who change the world, who pray and long for God to do something new and miraculous in our day. Amen? J.I. Packer said, revival is God's quickening, visitation of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. The best way to start a revival is to, according to D.L. Moody, is to draw a circle and ask God to send revival to that circle and then step into it. Say, God, let's start with me. What needs to change in me? What attitude needs to change in my attitude? And what sin do I need to give up? And what prayerlessness do I need to rectify in order to seek out God and what God wants to do? We didn't start Influence Church to be like other churches. We didn't start this church because we just needed something to do or there wasn't enough churches. It was an impression of the Holy Spirit of God that birthed this in February of last year. And only God could have orchestrated the days and the times and the things that have happened over the course of now 18 months. As I was walking through that new building that we closed on, and many of you know we closed on that loan, we got the loan and we closed on that building in eight business days. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. And God keeps handing out miracles as we go down this road. As we stand out there in front of that post office and people come and they're attracted to it and many of you here today are there, are here today because you came and you just said what's going on and God began to draw you and God began to bring you into this place. To me, another great miracle is that people are willing to show up week after week at a movie theater. I mean, that to me is a miracle. Last week I was driving down the Santa Ana Canyon and I've ran out of gas. It's now the third time in three months. I'm getting really good at it. And I know it's my trip computer on my car because it said I had 27 miles left and I all of a sudden just ran out of gas in front of Hibachi Steakhouse and so I knew God wanted me to eat at Hibachi Steakhouse. And I'm sitting there and people are honking at me. It's 90 degrees and I'm hot and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. And I call Milt, can you bring me gas? And he's laughing, yeah, I'll be there. And people are honking. Like, I wanted to run out of gas right here in 90 degree weather and let you honk at me and give me nasty gestures with your hand. I mean, seriously, this is not why I had for my life. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden a guy comes running up. And I recognized him from a local coffee shop. He said, hey, do you need some help? I don't know his name. I've really never formally been introduced to him. He said, do you need some help? And I said, well, I've got gas coming. He said, okay, well, I saw you. And, and, uh, you know, actually a lot of times I've 
I've seen you at the local coffee shop and you've got the blueprints out in your building and I introduced myself. Oh, he said, oh, I know who you are. And he said, you know, I've wanted to come talk to you so many times and I've wanted to come to your church and this is a great introduction. This is a great way and you may be here today and God bless you, but that's how God works. And I said, God, I ran out of gas because you had a divine appointment for me. This had nothing to do with my failure to keep the gas at halfway, though I will from now on. And I think that's how God is kind of orchestrating the path that we're on and the journey that we're, we're on as God begins to work in our life. I was led by, by God to, to speak to you today from Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in, in verse 1. And here is this vision that Ezekiel gets of these valley of dry bones. And so I'm going to read the text to you, and then we'll jump into this with uh, all of our heart. The Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon me. And he brought me out in, uh, in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Imagine this vision Ezekiel has. He caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were many in an open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said unto me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and I will bring flesh upon you and I will cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you. And literally the word there is the Hebrew word ruach. It means the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to come in you, and that's what's going to make a difference. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Now you'll notice that the, the reaction of these bones happened as he was obedient to God, as he prophesied, as he spoke to these bones, which seems to be foolishness. Can you imagine this vision of, of deadness and you're speaking to the very dead? And as I read that, I realized as I, I stood and I just looked around Anaheim Hills and out into the valley and down through the canyon, I realized we are surrounded by the same thing. People who are spiritually dead, who do not have the breath of God in them. When was the last time you looked and you began to just speak to the bones? Speak to the canyon, speak to the valley, speak to the people that are all around. Just say, God, oh, God made these people be saved. God wants Anaheim Hills and surrounding communities to be saved. May we be the church that leads the way in that. He says, but there was no breath in them. And verse nine, and also he said unto me, prophesy to the breath. Now he says, speak to the spirit. Spirit of God, come. Speak to the spirit son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds. Come in every direction. Begin to move in this way and in that way and this way and that way. And Come and come and find this synergy point right here in this place that needs it so much. Come, O breath, O breath, on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, and they were an exceedingly great army. I believe God wants influence to be an exceedingly great army. 
when I looked at this, I saw some things that just popped out. I want to just mention them before we jump into this full bore. And that's these words, to see, and that is to have a vision. To really begin to see things with the eyes of God. How does God see things? Jesus looked over Jerusalem, and the Bible says he wept. He wept. He saw them as as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them aimlessly going in every direction. Have you seen people doing that lately? In the midst of our Orange County lifestyle, it's easy to miss what's really going on in the hearts and the minds of people. To see and then to know. To know that God has spoken, and that's faith. To say, I believe the word of God, and I will rest upon his word. And then to speak, to have the courage to say, thus says the Lord. Several weeks ago, I stopped and I prayed with a man at a local coffee shop. And as I put my arm around him, standing up in the middle of this, I'm sure, though I didn't look, I'm sure people were wondering, what is going on in this place? Just this week, he walked up to me. He said to me, everybody prays. You pray for everybody, it seems like. But who's praying for you? He said, can I pray for you? And this man doesn't go to church. And I began to realize that this speaking and, and seeing a vision and, and speaking to the bones, it's beginning to happen. It's beginning to move. And he said, sure. And he said, can we walk outside? He wasn't ready for the in-house prayer. <laughs> we walked outside. We got out on the, on the front step there. And, and he put his arm around me. And he begins to pray a great prayer. And I began to realize God is drawing. God is beginning to do something right now. The bones are starting to stir. Things are starting to happen in our world. When we begin to think about what God is up to in this matter of revival, I want you to expect the unexpected. There was nothing that would have prepared Ezekiel for this vision. There was nothing like this that had ever happened in Scripture. There was nothing like this in his life that had ever happened. He was to expect the unexpected in his life because it says the hand of the Lord came upon him. This was an unusual manifestation of God. We don't know fully what that meant other than God specifically did something different. It wasn't just a shove. It wasn't a push. It wasn't an urge. It wasn't just the still small voice of God. But God put his hand on him and said, wait a minute, son, I want you to do something. I want you to say something. This is when God wants to use you in a special way. Without the hand of God on you, you would not have the strength or the power to fulfill your God-given destiny. And I believe it's fully appropriate to say, God, put your hand on me. God, put your hand on me when I go to school. Put your hand on me when I go to to my work. Put your hand on me when I go in the community. And it says, he brought me out in the spirit. An unusual term, it's a Hebrew verb. It's used actually first in in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 12, and it was used when it says, he brought forth the grass. And under under the surface of that ground, that seed begins to germinate and struggles to reach the sun. And so it is with the Spirit of God in you. He is wanting to be released in you, wanting to break through like that blade of grass that pushes its way through that soil to finally find the sun. And we don't push our way in that way to find the sun, but the sun of the living God. We want to be close to God. We want revival to come. You see, God brings you, brings you out of your comfort. God brings you out in order to reorient you to the spiritual realm instead of the religious realm. 
God brings you out in order to get your eyes off of your situation, off your circumstances, and how you think you can't handle your problem and show you that he is God, that God is in control. In Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4, it says, For I will pour out water on a thirsty land. Are you thirsty today? Would you like to see God show up? Would you like to see more prayers answered? Would you like to see family come to faith in Christ and neighbors come to faith in Christ? He says, I will pour it out on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants, and they shall spring up uh, up among the grass like willows from from the flowing stream. When, When God took Ezekiel, he took him and he put him in a valley. It says he set him in a valley. Bones in a valley suggest an ambush. There were forces above. They were trapped in this valley. They had nowhere to turn. Have you ever felt like you've been ambushed? You ever felt trapped in a valley? You ever feel like the enemy was coming at you from all sides and there was nowhere to run? We're not told how they died. We just know they died in a valley. We know it must have been an army because it's an army he rises back up. They could have died in battle. We die most of the time not in battle, but playing life's petty games. They could have died from hunger and thirst. It could have been the last step they took, and they said, here we are in this very dry valley, and we're thirsty and hungry, and there's nowhere to go. They could have died from pure hopelessness. People every day on every corner die from hopelessness. Just give up hope. They don't physically die. They die in every other way. They lose the will to go on. They lose the will to to succeed. They lose the will to pray. They, They give up on God because they think God has given up on them, but God has not given up on you. He never gives up on you. They could have died from religion. I hate religion. Religion is the killer of the soul and the killer of life. I love Jesus, but I hate religion. Religion is all about man trying to find God and please that God, and Christianity and, and Jesus is all about God finding us and saving us. Of all the graveyards, God chose this one for his vision. The one in the valley, the one of hopelessness, the one of defeat. That's because God loves the brokenhearted, the weak, and the helpless. Because all of us, regardless how tough we might feel on the outside, deep inside, there is that tendency to to weakness and hopelessness and to give up because life becomes very difficult and very challenging on every hand. But be assured that God knows your struggle. God sees your heartache. God knows your darkest moments. And he sends a prophet to speak the word of God to you. As I've been studying revival, I came upon this quote from Revival Culture. It says this, I am convinced that a massive harvest is at hand. Every time you track the great awakenings, the great movements of God in the past, it's always at the darkest moment. It's always right before something needs to happen or people completely give up. So it was in the first great awakening, before the first great awakening, at the time of of really the founding of our country, the, the situation was so deplorable that students were burning Bibles on campuses in colleges in America. Drunkenness was at an all-time high, and professors were being pushed out of their particular field if they stood for Jesus Christ. Doesn't sound like the early days of America, does it? But that's what was happening, and God birthed a great awakening called the first great awakening. 
The, second thing the same thing happened in the second great awakening. And you see over and over again, you see that Jesus movement came out of that time, that dark period of the Vietnam War and, and, and free love and all of those things were coming. And so it is, we are living in a very dark period in the time of American history. Most of us would say that in our conscious memory, I can't remember a darker time than right now where we see events that are taking place in the media that involve our president, our Congress, our political leaders, and it seems to be brushed away as though it's no big deal, whether it's spying on Americans or hunting down Americans with drones or whatever it might be, and it almost is like it's not even a big deal. And yet Watergate is only, was only one-tenth of one percent what we're seeing today. I'm telling you, we're living in a dark day, but it doesn't cause me to give up hope. It causes me to be encouraged because that's when the Spirit of God loves to show up. He said, I am convinced that a massive harvest is at hand. It will likely be the largest awakening in all of human history, and many regions of the earth, it is already underway. Do you see what's happening over in Nigeria? When you see 30 million people come to faith in Christ, what does that tell you? Something is happening. God is doing something. Also, faith activates the Spirit of God. In verses 5 through 7, he says, Speak to these bones. And he said, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and suddenly there was a rattling, and as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came together, but there was no breath in them. Ezekiel, it says, so I prophesied. Act on what God says. When God tells you to do something, do that. Don't hesitate. There's so many times where I'm in a situation where God says, you need to pray, and I say, well, you know, it's not convenient right now to pray, God. I think I'll just wait till I get home. And God says, no, I want you to pray right now, just to be obedient to God right now. There are times where God will say, speak to that person, and I'm thinking, is this me, you, or somebody else, God? And I'm thinking, well, the devil wouldn't motivate me to tell them about Jesus. Me, I'm personally lazy. I wouldn't do it. This has got to be the Spirit of God. I'll go over and say, hey, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And they said, really, I'm, I, I, I'm really curious. What do you have to say? And people respond like that when you act on what God says. You are moving in the area of obedience when you do that. Keep repeating those words in your mind. I don't walk by faith. I walk by sight and feel how it sounds. It sounds wrong, doesn't it? No, I walk by faith. I don't walk by sight. If I walk by sight, I'm going to give up every day. And this, this uh, fasting period we went through, we went through a 21-day fast as a church, and you know that we were praying specifically for the loan and for the permits and for the TI money, and God has provided all of that. And we got to the end of that 21 days, and I said, you know, God, I looked at the calendar, and it's 40 days until I start this sermon series. It was last night. And I said, God, I'm just going to extend this for 40 days. And I finished that fast yesterday. I've never smelled so many good things in my life over a 40-day period. My greatest temptation, I may have told you, was Lay's potato chips. I love them anyway, and when I opened that bag up and I smelled those Lay's potato chips, it smelled like heaven. And I've got to tell you that I walk by faith. I, God, I'm just doing this because I feel like you led me to do this. It's up to you to hear my fast because my fast is my prayer. It's up to you to hear that and to respond and God, for you to move in our midst. I'm hungry, God. I'm hungry for revival more than I'm hungry for food. 
I'm acting in faith, and I'm asking you, God, to bring it about. And then he said, as I prophesied, the first thing you will hear when you begin to speak the word of God, you're going to begin to hear noise. You can't believe all the opposition we had in getting that building. And I believe it's because spiritual territories there were trying to resist us, trying to keep us from getting into that building. Things that never should have happened, happened. And, and we just had to fight our way in. And we went in there. I went in there with the other day with, uh, with Craig on Friday. And he walked in. He looked around. He said, you know, it feels different in this building now than it did before. I'm going to tell you a story in just a minute about a postal worker who told me the same thing. And God, once we took the territory physically, we are now pushing our way into the territory spiritually for what God is going to do. And to God be the glory. Amen. You'll hear a stirring and that demonic spirits are getting worried. A man or a woman of God is breaking through in the area of prayer and commitment and dedication to God. He said, as I looked, he said, you know, hey, I looked. I had to see what was going on. Faith that is focused and expectant. Keep looking. You're going to see the answer to your, to your prayer come to pass. Too often we lose faith. Too often we lose interest in what we pray for. The key is to persevere. Listen to what Jesus said. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, they receive. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. God, we're knocking on the door. We want you to open up heaven. We want you to bring a revival among us, to us, and through us. And God, we want to set aside sinfulness. We want to plow up some deep ground. We want to get down to the heart of who we are and where we are so that we see God act and move in our, in our hearts. Amen? Western culture has been infected by de demonic thinking, infested by forces that are opposed to God and his good purposes on this planet. We need a renewed mind, Hebrews tells us, Romans tells us. We need to have that mind that is stirred again and fresh for God. God is building an army. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that army. Listen to what he says in verses 9 and 10. He said, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. And I thought about that. I thought, well, it literally is saying, speak to, prophesy to the Spirit of God. It's almost as if he's saying the Spirit of God is ready, but you're not speaking. You're not invoking the Spirit of God into your life, into your world. When are you going to start speaking to the Spirit and say, Spirit of God, come, Holy Spirit. Come as you have in the past. See, God hasn't changed. Culture's changed. We've changed. God hasn't changed. God has always been a fanatic about himself. Think about that. God was always about getting his message into our hearts because he knew that apart from God, we can't make it. We'll fall back into religion. We'll fall back into complacency. We'll fall back into sin. God says, no, I want you to know when you really find me, you're going to love me. And that's not the sinful kind of love that's human. It's a kind of love where God says, I made you, I designed you, I formed you, and I shaped you, and apart from me, you can do nothing. Prophesy to the breath and say to the four winds, look over to, that, to the north and the east and the south and the west and say, Spirit of God, come upon us. This week on Thursday, I think it was, I was standing on the loading dock, and we've got guys working everywhere. 
and a postal driver walked up to me, introduced himself. His name is Richard. I've got his picture up here on the, on the board. And Richard says to me, now just leave that picture up for a little while, all right? Richard says to me, I've got to tell you a story. He said, when this post office opened, he said, I was out here on the dock and I walked over and there was a picture of Mother Mary. And he said, uh, I just kind of felt like I couldn't throw it away and I didn't know what to do with it. So you look over above his, his left shoulder there is that picture he taped up when that post office opened over 10 years ago. He said, I taped it up there and then every day when I would come and deliver mail, I would go over and I would look to see if it was still there and if it started to kind of sag, I would put another piece of tape on it. He said, when I heard that a church was buying this building, it didn't surprise me. Because this building of all the buildings, all the post offices that I deliver to, this post office is different. It's always felt different. And I always knew that it would not be a post office its whole history. He said, I'm Egyptian. And I said, are you Coptic? And the Coptic church is kind of like the Egyptian expression of the Catholic church. He said, I am a Coptic. Christian. And I don't know if you know, but they've been almost completely wiped out of Egypt and northern Africa by, by the Muslims. They've been horribly persecuted. And a number of years ago, Tam and I were in Washington, D.C., meeting with Senator Wolf from Virginia, and because he's a solid Christian and he's very committed to this idea of persecution and helping to relieve this, this persecution around the world of Christians. And we met with the bishop, the, the Coptic bishop of Egypt at that time. And this man was so surprised. And he said, I know God is going to do something and this place is different. And I said, stand over here against the wall. I want to take your picture. Took his picture and he said, I'm going to come to your grand opening. He said, this place is different. I want you to know this place is different. And I realized God is drawing. God is bringing bones together. God is bringing people together from very unexpected sources. I looked over at Milt and I said, Mary's got to stay now. <laughs> this guy's going to show up every time he comes to church and say, where's Mary? <laughs> See, God does the unexpected. He arranges divine appointments. He builds an army. You know one thing I've noticed is this, that when things are very dry, they're attracted to wet. You ever had a dry sponge? You just lay it down a little bit of water and it instantly begins to grow. You know what happens when you're very dry and you just lay yourself before God? You instantly begin to grow. You begin to take up all that you can of God. Dry absorbs as much as it can, as fast as it can. The other thing I know is that when dry hits a capacity, it begins to drip. It begins to flow. Water, water everything around it. You just can't stop it. You get a sponge and it's got too much water in it. And you hold it up and unless you wring it out, it's going to drip everywhere. You know what we want to be? We want to be sponges that are full of the Spirit of God. We want to attract the Spirit of God wherever we go. We want to be full. And you know, every once in a while, somebody will come along and try to wring us out. That's okay. It's okay. You just go right back to the water. 
You go right back to the Spirit of God. You call on the four winds. He's looking for all kinds of people. I believe God is going to give us all kinds of people, every color, every shape, every size. I think people are going to look around and go, this doesn't look like Orange County. It looks more like heaven. Every tribe, every people, every nation, everything coming together here. You know, it's kind of boring when everybody looks alike. You go into most Orange County churches, they all look alike. Everybody's been to the same doctor, amen? <laughs> just kidding now, just kidding. It's boring when we all look alike. He doesn't care about, you know, when God begins to build an army, he doesn't care about the odds. You ever notice that? You know what God does with this guy Gideon who is a coward, he's hiding in a cave. He says, hey, Gideon, I'm going to give you 300 men, not 3,000 men. He sends his own son. He doesn't give him an army. He gives him 12. You get 12 of the right people, 300 of the right people, and it doesn't matter what you do. When you're empowered by the Spirit of God, things are going to happen. You see, Ezekiel said, I prophesied, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet. They're an exceedingly great army. You know what God's telling us? Stand up when you're tempted to sit down. Stand up. Stand up when you want to quit. Stand up. Stand up when you're ashamed and you look at your own sin and say, you know what, Jesus died, his blood cleansed me, and stand up for God. Stand up when you feel inadequate. Just stand up. When you're all alone and you say, well, nobody's standing with me, doesn't matter, just stand up. You know what God says to Ezekiel to prophesy? He says, stand to your feet. Give God the glory and you will be an exceedingly great army. It's my firm conviction that the world is on the threshold of a massive global move of the Holy Spirit that will reach a billion souls for Jesus. The critical question is whether the church will be ready when that happens. Will you be ready to stand up? I'm going to ask you, if you're willing to stand up and begin to pray and ask God to bring revival, I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you're sitting right now. Just stand up. Stand up. When you feel inadequate, stand up. You feel all alone, stand up. When you feel ashamed, stand up. When you want to quit, stand up. Just stand up for Jesus because what happens when revival begins to take is Jesus is exalted. Satan's kingdom begins to suffer. Men and women have a greater response to Scripture. Men and women want to see more clearly the spiritual truth uh, instead of error, and they have a new sense of love for God and love for others. Stand up up spiritually every day. Don't give up under any set of circumstances. Pray with me now. God, as we stand before you here, we stand as an army. Not exceedingly great yet, God, but we're moving in that direction, God. We're asking you, Spirit of God, to fill every heart. We're asking you, Spirit of God, to come. We speak to the four winds. We say, come, come, Holy Spirit, and just envelop us right now. Come, Holy Spirit of God, and overflow us. Come, Holy Spirit, and move in our midst. We ask you, God, to take this church, to take Influence Church, to take away every pain, every hurt, every distraction, Everything that is not of you, we can't afford to think thoughts that are not your thoughts, God. Life is too short for that. We need you, Spirit of God, to come powerfully and mightily in our midst. Mm -hmm.